Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. It's the middle of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Peter Klein. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And you can email this show, couchpotatodiary, at yahoo.com. Coming up on the show today, baseball playoffs in full swing. Get it. Uh, the NHL playoffs, or the NHL regular season, has begun. Uh, we get into CFL power rankings, and we start our look at the National Basketball Association with a quick refresher looking at the top players in the NBA heading into the upcoming season. So, that is what is coming up. If you're watching this in video form, subscribe to the channel, like the video. That stuff really does help. Leave a comment if I said anything that you disagree with. Podcast-wise, uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you can. That stuff really, really does help, and I really appreciate it. So, let's get into it, starting with Major League Baseball. We begin with the Texas Rangers, who absolutely kicked the crap out of the Baltimore Orioles, sweeping them in three games en route to the American League Championship Series. First note, uh, I think it's pretty obvious by my hat, where my allegiances lie when it comes to the sport of baseball. It was fun seeing, oh, well, the last time Texas had a 2-0 lead, Jose Bautista swinging a draw, deep left field, no, 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 no. Um, that was pretty fun. But getting to the actual baseball part of it, the Texas Rangers just annihilated Baltimore. Um, that offense, when it is clicking, it is scary good. We saw that all season long. Um, but Simeon leading things off. You have Garcia, who is always a threat to hit one to the moon. They just have, it feels like they have home run potential up and down their order. And that can be a whole lot to deal with. And that's kind of what you want in the postseason when the pitching, in theory, is supposed to be better. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, it's a bit more difficult to string four or five, six hits in a row together. Sometimes it's nice to just hit the fuck out of the thing, and that's what the Texas Rangers were able to do. But the big player for them this series and this season was Corey Seager. They, they said on the broadcast last night that he leads the league in doubles, even though he missed about 40 games this season. He hit over 300. He has been a franchise changer for this club. This is free agency working um, in, in Seager's case. He has been just the lightning rod for this team this season. And it's in a number of different right ways, right? Like he obviously has great patience at the plate, setting a record for most walks in a postseason game. Um, and then he explodes with a, a home run as well. He has the power. He has the speed. Defensively, he's made some good plays as well. He has everything that you want to kind of build your foundation around. And for the Texas Rangers, it's a gamble that worked, right? Like they had a 100 loss season. They go out and make two big splashes with Marcus Simeon and with Corey Seager. And they understood, look, probably not going to be good the next year, but we're building something here. When you have a chance to get uh, foundational pieces, franchise cornerstones, you just go out and do it. Um, it takes a lot, right? Like it takes an owner who is willing to spend and accept that, look, I know you just spent half a billion dollars on two players. We're probably only going to win 70 to 75 games next season. So... Um, that this is, that this is definitely a, a big move, a bold move from the, the Texas Rangers and one that paid off, I think at least has paid off for them. And then they, they like, they understood you have to continue to build around it. Um, but th this was something that like changed the course of this franchise with an absolutely foundation building move, bringing in Corey Seager. And then um, they go out and add Nate Eovaldi, who was phenomenal and has showed up in big playoff performance after big playoff performance um, throughout his 
postseason career. And now you, you start to see like, oh man, they've They've really built something out in Texas, and now they're off to the American League Championship Series and will be a threat to whoever shows up on the other side. Speaking of the other side, the American League Championship Series, be or sorry, the American League Division Series between the Houston Astros and the Minnesota Twins goes to a game four this afternoon with the Astros one win away from moving on. Um, and last game, yesterday, I was going to say last night, it was yesterday afternoon. I hate to bring everything into a Blue Jays lens, but everything from that game was incredibly frustrating from a Blue Jays standpoint. You watch how the Houston Astros attacked Sonny Gray, and that is how the Blue Jays should have attacked Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray did not pitch infinitely better against the Blue Jays than he did against the, 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 the Astros. He was missing some spots against the Astros. He was missing those same spots against the Blue Jays. He had some uh, issues with base runners against the Astros. He had issues with base runners against the Blue Jays. Um, I thought AJ Pruszynski and Adam Wainwright did a phenomenal job on the TV broadcast, breaking it down. But you could see the approach. They had a game plan going up there where the Blue Jays were just like, I don't know, fucking swing at something. The, the Astros had a game plan in mind and executed it to perfection. The Astros get first and second in the first inning. When the Blue Jays did that, they got no runs. When the Astros did it, they got four. This was a hitting masterclass from the Houston Astros in Game 3 against Sonny Gray, and it has them within a win of another trip to the American League Championship Series. Um, they were they were disciplined in their approach in attacking Sonny Gray. Um, they were waiting for breaking pitches, and they were taking advantage of them. Everyone except Jordan Alvarez, who can hit everything because a baseball looks like a beach ball to that guy right now. But it was an excellent, excellent approach all game from the Houston Astros that paid off with a 9-1 win. But on the Jordan Alvarez tip, he is on another level right now. And it seems like we say that every postseason. But then every year when we talk about the best players in the league, oh, it's Otani, it's Okunia, it's Judge. And yes, all very good players. But Jordan Alvarez has to be included amongst, if not the best players, then at least the most dangerous hitter in the sport right now. Um, he is on an absolute tear. The first pitch that he hit that ends up technically being called uh, an error, which is a little, little rough on Kirilov, I think, but it's a fastball that's off of the plate. Like, in, off of the plate, and instead of like, oh, broken bat, whatever, he's able to turn on it and hit it with great force down the first baseline for a double. Um, it's, it's remarkable what this guy is able to do with a bat, and I have no idea how you pitch him right now. The, the answer probably is just... You don't. But it's setting up what should be a fun one today as the Rangers sit and watch three playoff games. Um, the Braves and the Phillies will break their 1-1 deadlock this evening. The Dodgers look to keep their season alive down 2-0. And the Astros look for another win to put away the Minnesota Twins. So that's what's going on in the world of baseball. While the baseball season is winding down in the postseason, the hockey season started yesterday. All right, um, let's continue with some hockey talk as my dog kind of makes an appearance uh, in the background. Hey, hey, you good? Um, let, let's just run through the, the three games from the NHL last night. The Tampa Bay Lightning with a 5-3 win over the Nashville Predators. Um, the top players for Tampa Bay stepped up in a big way. Like that, that was a game where your top players are your top players. Um, Tampa Bay's top guys showed up in... A phenomenal way. Point was on fire right from the word go. 
She almost knocked my TV over. Um, Point was on fire right from the word go. Uh, Kucherov was excellent as well, um, both in playmaking, which I think he is wildly underrated in. Um, I, I think he is an excellent, excellent passer, and I, I don't think he gets the, the credit for that. Um, but yeah, Point and Kucherov were on fire. Sergachev supporting, Stamko supporting as well, and Hedman doing his thing offensively. The, the power play is always going to be lethal, but it was in sync in night one. Um, Paul with a, a great net front presence to capitalize on a couple of goals. But yeah, the main takeaway was Tampa-based players, uh, best players, were their best players on night one. Now, they do let the Preds back into this one. Um, the, the shots, I think, were 14-2 to after 20 minutes of play. Um, Tampa Bay is a team that... <laughs> Um, I, I think has a, a significant offensive edge against many teams that they play, that this one seemed to be one of them, but they did let the Predators back into this game. Uh, and again, a bit of it was on the power play, but Philip Forsberg, with a nice reminder on a national stage, hey, just remember, I'm still one of the most talented hockey players on this planet with a couple of really, really nice setups that gets Nashville back into it. In the end, the the Lightning do come away with a win, but I think this is how they're going to, to have to win a lot of these games. It's like 5-3, 4-3, like th those types of things. It's it's not going to be a lot of 2-1 to one for Tampa Bay this season. After that, it was Chicago taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And look, Pittsburgh offensively looked like a juggernaut in this game. And Peter Morazic was strong to the task on a number of occasions. But the, the phenomenal feed of uh, Malkin to Gensel to, to set up a chance. And Crosby with a great back check creates a turnover, sets up the, the the rust goal. Like, this team offensively can do some scary things. But this was the problem with the, the, the Penguins coming into this one that we all, or at least I, kind of had. They can't defend. That was an atrocious defensive effort. Just breakdown after breakdown. The middle of the ice, the, the high danger zones, were wide open for Chicago in this one, and that's how they were to, able to, to get back into this game. But defensively, Pittsburgh really needs to shore some things up because that was kind of putrid from the Pittsburgh Penguins in this one. On the Chicago note, obviously all eyes on Connor Bedard, and it wasn't to the four-goal outing that Austin Matthews had in his debut, but that... Just a quick little pass, drawing a defender to him, then a quick little bank pass to, to Vlasic, and he had basically half of the ice wide open to him. Creates a shot that stopped, rebound, um, Donato puts it in to, to help tie this game up for Chicago. Bedard, you, you can see already that, that he sees the game at a pretty high level. Um, the quick shot that he got in tight shows that that release is legit. Um, he He's going to be pretty good. I think so far. I still feel fine about taking under 30 goals for, for Connor Bedard, but he's he's going to be fine this year. Um, and then it was Banner Night for the Vegas Golden Knights as they celebrate their 2022-2023 Stanley Cup Championship win by taking on the Seattle Kraken. And this score is going to make this game seem a lot more sighted than it was, but um, Vegas still comes out on top with, with a win, and they looked really good again. Like, they are relentless in all areas of the game. But that forecheck is ridiculous. Like, the, the Marshall Show's goal is going to be uh, a comedy one forever, as Tanev is going to pass it. Marshall Show just NHL 23 style sticks his stick out, um, hits the poke check button, and it pokes the puck into the net. You're not going to see another goal like that this season. Um, Marshall Show will absolutely take it, as his hot finish to, to 2023 carries into the, the start of the 23-24 season with a, a goal there. But they created so many opportunities for themselves just with how relentless they are. And this is what I was saying last year in the postseason. They feel like they are the perfect mix between team that'll beat you up 
and team that'll skate right around you. It feels like they have all of it. Um, like that breakout, Rachel Dory um, highlighted it on, on her TikTok and other social medias. The, the breakout that they had that led to their goal, that they had given up the first five shots of the game. And then it is a picture-perfect breakout. Bing, bang, boom, it's in the back of the net. Then uh, the Barbashev goal, Holden, or sorry, McNabb, a perfect stretch pass that hits Barbashev on the tape, and then he goes top shelf. It's just, they can hem you in the offensive zone for a couple of shifts and beat you down and you try to get away. They're fast enough that they can catch you. And then if you do get it into your own end, you have to mind your P's and Q's because they can get it out like that and create a scoring opportunity. That was a bad snap, but it wasn't a bad play for, for Vegas as they were excellent. But Seattle was right there with them. Um, I didn't, I should have, I didn't look at the, the high danger chances coming into this one uh, or coming out of this one, but it felt like Seattle was right there in terms of creating opportunities. They either just missed or Aiden Hill stood tall, but make no mistake, this Seattle team was right there with Vegas for long stretches of this game, creating some excellent opportunities. I think Veneers is going to have a great year. Um, he and Eberle just had phenomenal chemistry all game long, and they were really good working away on the, the boards as well, creating the, the goal that does eventually get in for them. But I, I like this Seattle team a lot. I feel like watching that game midway through, immediately dumb for doubting them. It's like, uh, how, how was I thinking of putting the Kings and maybe even Vancouver ahead of them in the Pacific Division? I know that this is, this is a team that is on another level right now. And watching that game, and, and again, like this is where I'm from, watching that game through a Flames lens... Calgary is going to have to step their game up this year because that is where the bar is in the Pacific Division. Those two teams last night showed exactly why the Pacific is viewed as such a difficult division because they both brought it and they looked really good. Full slate of games from the NHL coming up tonight. It should be a lot of fun. So that's what all happened last night. Let's go back to the weekend. It's time now for CFL Power Rankings. All right, we are coming down to it. A massive game this week out here in Calgary as the Stampeders host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Basically, Calgary season's on the line. I feel comfortable talking about this because right now, Calgary is still my number nine team. I cannot get out of my head the last two performances from the Stamps against Montreal and against Hamilton where they had opportunities to make this game be the one where they put Saskatchewan away. Instead, now Saskatchewan has a chance to put Calgary away. It's because of two putrid efforts um, against Montreal and Hamilton that has set Calgary up in a desperation situation. So there are teams that have struggled this year in the CFL, but I, I just... I can't look past the issues that Calgary has had. At eight, it is Ottawa. It's just kind of fallen off of a cliff. I had actually some optimism around the, the Red Blacks after a really good performance, at least offensively, against the Calgary Stampeders, but defensively, they can't stop a thing. And... I think there's something there with Crum. We've said it week after week, but there's just not enough there to make up for the defensive liabilities that this team has. Edmonton has something to build on. They're the number seven team in my CFL power rankings this week. They, I think, have that they have their quarterback at least, um, and, and they at least show that they are a team that can be on the rise in the CFL going into next year. At six, I have Saskatchewan. Probably a bit too high. Definitely a homer pick, but. I, I just, I feel like the the, the Edmonton-Ottawa-Calgary uh, group is kind of their own tier at the, the bottom right now. And Saskatchewan, while they have struggled and lost two teams in that tier, lost to all of the teams in that tier. Have they beat Edmonton? Or did they lose Edmonton? Either way. Um, 
Saskatchewan has, I think still, with some of the big wins that they have had this season, that this is like just super bro football talk, but they've showed up more than Edmonton, Ottawa, and certainly Calgary this season. And so that is why I still put them as the team in the driver's seat right now in the West Division uh, to get that third playoff spot. I put them ahead of Edmonton, Ottawa. And Calgary. At five, it's Hamilton. That was a big performance against them. I went on radio out here and said that the Ticats were doing uh, the, the Stampeders dirty by bringing in Bo Levi Mitchell. And then the Ticats took the boots to Saskatchewan in a game where the Riders, shame on them, should have been stepped up with the 2013 Grey Cup team being honored and with um, George Reed being honored after um, his passing last week. For the riders to show up flat like that, shame on them. They should be at the bottom of the power rankings just on principle. But um, I didn't know Hamilton had that in them. That that was a complete showing from a, a Ticats team in a big spot. So they, they certainly have caught my attention. Not to move past the other team in the East right now, and that is Montreal. I just think they are... Of the teams in that second tier, they are the most complete. Just a bit more than Hamilton and certainly more than Saskatchewan, but not quite on the level of Winnipeg, BC, and um, and Toronto. But they have shown that against the, the teams that are below them, they're, they're starting to treat bad teams like bad teams. And to me, that is one of the signs of a good team. And then you get into that top tier, BC. That's a really tough loss for them against Winnipeg. It felt like they had it uh, against the, the Blue Bombers and a chance to lock in a home playoff game for the West Final to, to book a trip to the, the Grey Cup. Instead, now it looks like they're going to have to go to Winnipeg to play the West Final in November. You can see why that game was so important. Uh, for the Bombers... I, I made the pick on three down this week. This felt like a team that was going to step up in a big time way. Um, and kind of like the, the, the regular season has not been as flawless as we've seen from them in the past, but th this is a veteran football team. This is a championship football team. They know what to do in these big games and they showed up in a big time way getting a huge win. And at number one, it's Toronto. They're just the most talented team in the league. Um, they, they have, in my opinion, the MOP. And they have a team now that looks primed and ready to make a, a real run at back-to-back -back Grey Cups. So Toronto comes in atop my CFL Power Rankings this week. It is now time for NBA preview season. Um, and we start it by just a, a nice refresher of who's at the tippity-top of this league. It's time to look at the best players in the NBA. All right, counting them down, 250 to 1. Uh, no, we're just going to look at the, the top 10 today. And at number 10, I have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, he took an absolute step forward last year and seems to have elevated again coming off of the, the World Cup of Basketball. So I have SGA coming in at number 10. At 9, I have Jason Tatum, um, a, a complete player in my opinion, um, Weird playoff for them, obviously. Like, they, they fell behind 3-0, almost made the big comeback. He has the massive game um, in, in Game 6 against the uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers to, to set up that disappointing loss to, to Miami. But he had, like, one of the great all-time closeout games. So he probably should be higher on this list, quite frankly. But I have to give props to Jimmy Butler. He is number 8. Um, it, it's just, like, he's not going to accumulate. He's probably not... 
like talent wise on the same level of a number of these guys. But I mean, there, there's that dog per 60 that we talked about on game over this year. He has that the way he showed up in the playoffs again. Um, like you just, you have to give this guy his flowers as one of the, the best players in the league at seven. Um, th- these next couple are definitely lifetime achievement awards. I have to put LeBron, um, up there. I get like, at his point, or at this point in his career, is he on these players' level? Probably not. But I can't have a top 10 list without LeBron James. And he can still perform at an extremely high level. Um, at number six, it is Kevin Durant, still one of the great scorers in the, the history of this game. And still uh, an absolute game changer for the, the Phoenix Suns. Interested to see what they do with a full season. At five, it is Steph Curry. Um, elite offensive skills. I Like... What more do you have to say? That there's nothing that he, um, on the offensive side of things, can't do, and in the sport of basketball hasn't done. So, he, he gets it. At four, maybe a bit controversial, I have Joel Embiid, the reigning MVP. Um, this isn't a, a knock on him at all. This is just more what the players ahead of him can do. But at this point now in Embiid's career, I need to see him get past the, the second round. Um, the, the way that they kind of lost that sixth game uh, against Boston was really disappointing to me. Um, when, when he had a chance to, like, again, macho bro stuff, but step up and be the man, um, he, he just didn't really do it in the way that I would have wanted him to. So, um, I mean, look, I'm saying he's the fourth best player in the world right now. That's not a big knock, but we're splitting hairs with these top four. Uh, coming in at three, it is Luka Doncic. Offensive playmaking ability, second to none. He can play with size. He can play um, as a forward, as a guard, whatever you want him to do. Um, defensively, not great, but offensively, he just has all of the skills that you would need. At two, Giannis Attentacumpo. Pretty obvious um, what what he can do. He is just simply a force that can barely be stopped, unless it's by Miami in the playoffs and by a back injury. But hopefully a healthy Giannis now. Him and Dame Lower is going to be such an amazing duo this year. And at number one, uh, the reigning finals MVP, Nikola Jokic. The offense runs through him. His playmaking is excellent. Defensively, he he showed up in the playoffs. Um, There's just... It's his world, and we're all living it right now. He is doing things offensively that very few people in the world ever have been able to accomplish. So Nikola Jokic, to me, is the best player in the NBA heading into this season. All right, uh, it's time now to get into today's ticket. Five games on today's ticket. We're doing all the baseball uh, and a couple of the hockey. We will start with uh, the LA Dodgers. I have them to win by a run and a half against Arizona. Uh, Lance Lynn has pitched in playoff situations before, and while Arizona's offense has been on fire, um, I think Lance Lynn pitches in a way that is going to help him out um, in a more hitter-friendly ballpark in Arizona. So, I and again, this is another one. I just don't see the Dodgers being swept. That logic didn't work against Baltimore, but it can't be wrong twice, right? Um, Houston, plus 108 against Minnesota. Um, I did not see anything in game two, or sorry, in game three, that would lead me to believe that this series is going back to Houston for a game five. The Astros offense is just unstoppable right now. Uh, The Twins had some chances for sure, but 
um, against Arcidi. I think Houston has a better pitcher going, and they're the underdog. I'm getting them at plus 108, so I like that for sure. I'm also getting Atlanta at, at plus 108. They are going up against Aaron Nola, but I just feel like the momentum they built off of a wild Game 2 win is going to carry them over into a uh, Game 3 victory here tonight. And then two from the National Hockey League. Uh, Colorado minus a goal and a half against the LA Kings. Um, I... Or sorry, not even minus a goal and a half, just to win, minus 115. I thought that these odds were pretty close for Colorado, who I just think has a, a slight talent edge over the LA Kings right now. So I like that. And I'm going Carolina, minus a goal and a half against the Ottawa Senators. The Sens aren't going to be able to ice a full team tonight due to injuries and how up against the salary cap they are. So... um that's not good when you're going up against the team who I said is the most talented in the NHL. I might have gone Carolina minus a goal and a half anyway, but the way things are going in Ottawa, it just feels like it could be a long night for them. So I am going Hurricanes minus a goal and a half. So to recap, it is Dodgers minus a run and a half, Houston and Atlanta each at plus 108, Colorado, the Avalanche minus 115 over the Kings, and the Hurricanes to beat the Sens by two. That is today's ticket. And that is today's show. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Remember, if you're watching on the video, subscribe to the channel, like the video, uh, leave a comment. Um, if there's anything in here that you feel very passionately about, uh, let me know. Um, if you're listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. Coming up on the show tomorrow, it is NFL Power Rankings Day. We'll also look at what happened in baseball and hockey from the night before. So, a lot going on. Follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, Couch Potato Diary, at Yahoo.com. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all later.